0: Eight, seven, six, five, four,
1: three, two, one. Hey, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me, I've got Adam Myros. Oh, we're back at it. That's right. That's right. Some people are like, oh, our podcast is taking two weeks off for the holiday. We like to celebrate Christmas and New Year's. We're going to do a best of a fun little compilation. No, we ain't fucking with that. That it. it sounds we're still like even it.
2: more work for me than uh, actually recording an episode. <laughs> like edit exactly. together twelve
1: episodes. It's like no. <laughs> hey, uh, Myros, could you listen to a year's <laughs> worth of content and then uh, arbitrarily pick things that you think were good and then put them together and then maybe people will listen to it, but probably not. How's that sound? Uh,
2: like a I, dream. I'm gonna take a pass <laughs> on that one. I, I got to say, I, yeah. I I don't listen to such things, so I I'm gonna guess. No. Our meager listenership would would dwindle even further in this scenario.
1: Exactly. If we're going to alienate people, it's going to be on our terms. Thank you very much. Also joining us, uh, special guest. You've heard him before on Cost of Content. I mean, if you listen to Cost of Content, you've probably seen his weird videos on the internet or maybe you've seen his weird tweets on the internet or um i don't know maybe you've you've like made a ham sandwich for him at subway except he's a vegetarian so i would actually question that if that's how you think you know this man colin tanner's here colin how you doing oh you just outed me as vegetarian dude people don't
3: even know that i never tell people until i actually that's have a fun to fact it's going on the trading card now Dude, every time, every time you're talking to somebody, be like, hey, so what'd you do this weekend? Oh, it was great. I had a pizza, it had meat on it. Like, I didn't ask you that. (laughs) Like, they give you that kind of sad, like, I'm sorry. I know this is wrong. (laughs) Like, just
1: leave me alone, man. Just start with the apologetic tone. Or they come in like real aggro on you. That's fun too. Hey, buddy, you eat these sausage? <laughs> Either in
0: a meat way or a
1: gay way. I don't care. <laughs> Those oh, people Mike. are fun, too. We like that. Yeah, whatever.
3: They'll have to answer to God one day. I'm kidding. That's, That's right. That's right. <laughs> and my God is very vengeful. He does not understand.
1: <laughs> All right, boys. Well, uh, this is a, a <laughs> special episode. I think I say that basically every week. But no, seriously. <laughs> Colin, you you came to us with this idea, which uh, it's, it's rare. Normally, we have to chase people down and beg them to come on the show. But you wanted to discuss a little movie from 1970 called Joe, uh, mm. presumably because either one, there was a, a RogerEbert.com piece that ran on December 4th of this year, which you may or may not have read, and maybe that inspired you. Uh, or my other thought was uh, you are like... Uh, God damn, I love I love Joe Biden so so much. I just uh, you know I I can't wait, cannot wait to have him as our president. So I want to watch the movie Joe because it will uh, further inspire me. Is that what you're going for?
3: I'll be honest, like the reason why we're watching this is because of another movie and one that I would really recommend people go and check out, even though I think it's a bit too short for its own good. It really shouldn't have been a film. It should have been a miniseries. And that's Electric Boogaloo. It's a a you guys seen that one. It's a documentary. Breaking two?
1: uh,
3: No, no, no. (laughs) Not Breaking two Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) The documentary about Canon films that came out, I want to say, about like three years ago. Okay. Okay. It's fun, it's a really fun documentary, it's a little too light, but probably the most interesting part about it is that in the, um, in case you guys don't know, Canon Films, or uh, I'm sorry, Can- the Canon Group, because <laughs> they always had to be slightly suspicious. They made lots of movies throughout the 80s and made big stars out of people uh, like Chuck Norris. Like Chuck Norris was in like Bruce Lee stuff, but then he became a significant star through, uh, you know, Canon Group to the point where we still have to listen to him on news programs for some reason. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And also with, um, uh, what was the other, um, the the other person we'll be talking about later today is another great example of a canon person. Like they created their own kind of culture. But if you watch the documentary really fast, they're like, oh, we tried to make this movie that was a remake from something in Israel and it bombed. And then we made Joe and that was our first big hit. And then we move on and they just like, they blow right past. And I was like, well, what the fuck is Joe? Like, it looks so different from anything else they've ever filmed. Looked a lot more Mm -hmm. like a very sad, bleak. You know, it's is the sun sets at 4 p.m. and you're walking home alone, kind of um, Death of America sad stuff. I'm like, well, I've got to check this out. And once I did, you know, because it was a a very well-regarded film. Once I saw it, I thought, this is so good because I know you guys like great films. And I thought, we should really discuss uh, great works. (laughs) Did <laughs> you listen to this show? <laughs> I'm just fucking with this movie sucks. It's so fucking weird. It's so weird and I was like you need to appreciate both old Hollywood and new Hollywood. You need to know like film history to even like remotely be able to watch this movie because otherwise it won't make any sense like at all. Like it, there are so many yeah. trappings of classic Hollywood in here that were like aged out 30 years prior to it. Um, But whatever we, we can get into it. But yes, I was very enthusiastic saying we should watch Joe. It's a movie that more people should watch because it's very funny and very important. <laughs> and when I mean important, I mean, it's a movie that thinks it's important, which is really fun. Like the funniest movies think they're saying something, you know. So yeah,
1: this one is it's it's kind of a curiosity, and I, I mean I don't know if you need like uh, a, a history lesson in new American cinema to really like oh that's the only way, but it helps to have some cultural context for what's going on that makes a movie like Joe a a thing that is uh, n- not only released in 1970 but wildly popular. We're talking about one of the most profitable movies of the 1970s. So there's a, there's a couple of different things going on here. You have kind of the decline of the, of the traditional big budget studio film. You have the rise of the new American cinema in the 1970s. And then culturally you're kind of in a, a strange place because, um, this is where uh, people like to talk about this, this cultural divide that exists. Uh, and they act <laughs> like it, it just happened in the last five years where, Um, You know, owning the libs is is a new thing that just popped up out of nowhere. When in fact, even before the conservative posters could post, rest assured, they were finding ways to own the libs. And one of the best ways to own the libs is probably to beat the shit out of them. So (laughs) a a funny thing that happened in 1970... um, People who were, you know, progressive, liberal, what have you, the uh, gosh dang hippies, if you will, were obviously very anti-Vietnam War. Vietnam, not a popular war, even among conservatives. Um, But a lot of conservatives, especially blue-collar conservatives, hated hippies and minorities so much uh, that they actually took part in a little something called the hard hat riot, uh, which happened, I I believe it was in 1970, wherein uh, several hundred uh, like blue collar workers basically crashed a a anti Vietnam war demonstration and beat the shit out of hippies for (laughs) an entire day. Um, This is notable because in addition to this, like American labor at the time was going through a bit of a crisis where, You know, you have the the Civil Rights Movement, uh, the Civil Rights Act had passed. But so you you have all these African-American workers kind of joining up labor unions. But labor's own power, as these African-American workers join, is starting to deteriorate more and more. And adding to that fissure is the fact that, like, they don't know where to stand on Vietnam. Like, they're sort of divided from a top-down standpoints so you have all this chaos all this racism um you know kind of blue collar economic anxiety if this is starting to sound very like last 5 years it's cuz this shit has been happening forever it's nothing new uh and this leads us to Joe and Joe I think struck a chord with people critics and filmgoers alike because one people are fucking idiots and two <laughs> at the time even the most racist racists in politics and culture weren't necessarily saying the things that Joe was saying. Um, so this is a movie. This is a movie where we have a, a blue-collar guy, Joe, and he is uh, he's loudly and proudly and constantly... Just uh, he's, he's racist he's sexist he's he's all the things you're not supposed to be so this is this struck a chord with people for not being politically correct uh, which you know what I'm all for provocation in cinema but boy howdy is this shit fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah how does that sound? there's your like history a, lesson how'd that they go have like
2: a fucking purpose to any of this stuff that's usually a, a a you know a positive thing you know if you're gonna be inflammatory yeah. then uh have a thesis. I, I don't have any idea what Joe is supposed to be about. <laughs> I I do want to touch on
3: what you said earlier about it, um, um, what Joe was saying in regards to like politics, because why I think this movie is so interesting is because politicians uh, still to this day, all throughout history, have always said really, really offensive things about, you know, people of other uh, colors than white and uh, people of other genders uh, than just male. And what up, dog? And (laughs) uh, um, what I what uh the, the difference was that you couldn't like like uh, like strong thurman like you, you can re- or um or goldwater you can read those speeches and especially in this year because this movie came out in nineteen seventy The reason Mm -hmm. why Nixon allegedly won was because of the concept of the silent majority. That really struck a chord with people. And so I feel like this movie, given the fact that it came out in 1970 and the silent majority speech happened in 1969, and the fact that the canon group was involved makes me feel like they just were like, oh, is that the new thing? We'll just make that, (laughs) you know, let's make a movie about that. That's what people are talking about. You know, there's two Americans. This is an interesting
1: era of canon, too, because uh, we're actually going to we're going to dip our toes into – Uh, both of the like the the primary canon eras so the first is this early canon which lasts until from you know about like 1968 I think until about 1978 1979 uh and and that's before canon films is sold off to um uh, what are their names uh go Golan and and Globus. Globus Globus and Golan there we go uh, and then things kind of change into the the goofy uh, over the top action films uh, and the action film over the top. That's a canon movie, too. So there you go. <laughs> <It> um, <is. laughs> but that's where you get stuff like Delta Force and, and you know, uh, breaking Two, electric boogaloo, just goofy shit like that. Now, canon prior to the 1980s, where they, they sort of zeroed in more on uh, action films, I guess, is their bread and butter, even though they did. Branch out and do a few other things like squat on the rights to Spider-Man in the 1970s, they were far more experimental and basically they were able to make money for a while by saying we're not going to spend money. We're capping all production doesn't matter what it is like the most we're going to spend on the money. The most we're going to spend on a movie is three hundred thousand dollars. And it's, it's similar to the the Blumhouse model that we see today, where you don't spend any money, but you stick to genre things that you know can give you a good return, and then you kind of reap the rewards of that.
3: So we're all just ripping off Roger Corman at the end of the day, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Very similar.
3: Just keep pumping out the shit, because there's always somebody out there that'll watch the shit, and then you keep <laughs> making
1: money to make more shit. And then they make podcasts about the shit-
3: 50 years later. <laughs> so.
1: Yep. That's what we do. We just perpetuate the shit cycle. Welcome to optimism <laughs> vaccine. Um, but, it's just with a toilet Joe, that like shits on itself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Joe is, <laughs> it's kind of cut from the same cloth as a lot of like the Roger Corman biker films or something like easy rider or uh, even something like Billy Jack, which was hugely, hugely successful. Uh, which is like a story about a, a goofball-ass hippie uh, doing karate. The difference here is, I think, um, uh, the director, uh, John G. Avildsen and Norman Wexler, who is the the screenwriter, and these are these are big names. They would become big names. We're talking like screenwriter, Serpico and Saturday Night Fever, uh, as well as like uh, minor Schwarzenegger's like Raw Deal. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, Alvinson did like Rocky and Karate Kid and things like that. So... They originally started off making this movie and they were like, "Okay, it's it's just going to be your normal easy rider uh, hippie exploitation type of movie. But the the flip was going to be we're going to come at it from the vantage point of the squares, you know, the the. Uptight advertising exec dad. That's going to be the focal point, and it was just going to be kind of an actiony melodrama. <laughs> and Joe, the character that Peter Boyle ended up playing, was a very, very minor role. And then, uh, presumably, you know, these these hard hat riots happen, and then the script goes through rewrites, and they get Peter Boyle, and they're like, "Oh, Peter oh, Boyle man. is perfect as this character." So then. The movie is between some rewrites and some careful editing, it's sort of restructured into the movie it is now. So that's your setup for what Joe is. But Myros, what is Joe about? If you're gonna give us the quick <laughs> hit like story beats, plot what is this movie?
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's <laughs> the luck, problem. Man. I mean, we could we could go through it. It's it's about uh, um a wealthy man whose daughter has fallen in with hippies and is addicted to drugs mm-hmm. uh, seemingly do. being abused. And uh, after she is sort of forced into an overdose, she's hospitalized and, and the father <laughs> uh, shows up and runs into the uh, boyfriend and uh, murders him, beats him yeah. to death. And
1: one uh, and of those like accidental, but not accidental ways right. where you get mad and you just smash his head repeatedly into a wall
2: correct sure and so this this movie is about his his encounters with this blue collar gentleman Joe at a bar and and Joe figures out that he's the killer here and this is a crime he'll never be prosecuted for he'll never be caught uh, having perpetrated and uh, he he's basically his only link to this crime is Joe so he kind of takes him under mm-hmm. his wing and they have this bonding over uh Hatred essentially, but uh, yeah, it, it just ends that way. And then the daughter <laughs> finds out about the crime, and and uh, they try and track her through hippie land, and uh, have a uh, they attend an orgy, and um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they just they oh. just end up going to this commune after hippies rob them uh, further. The my heat. life, I ain't
0: never been to an orgy. I, I hope I'm not out of line. <laughs> yes. Never been to an orgy before. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so uh, the, the hippies then rob them blind and uh, in <laughs> retribution, they they follow them to a commune and gun them all down the end, <laughs> including his daughter. They, they kill his daughter, yeah, too. But,
1: that's the but, big but, twist, Daru. Uh
0: Right, now,
2: except it's not even like, it doesn't function that way. I, dude, uh, my major issue, I suppose, is that what the fuck's the point? This this movie, maybe, maybe it is a Joe Biden movie. We got a real both sides fucking situation on our hands here.
0: You're a dog face, pony soldier. It
2: doesn't take the side of the hippies, that's for sure. I, I, the movie is uh, muddled?
1: Yeah, um, it's, it's deeply nihilistic, to, to say the least. So I was trying to parse this out as I was watching it. Um, and as far as I could tell, it's like it, it wants to explore the idea of how shitty conservative ideology, uh, specifically like um, just hatred for uh, minorities and uh, ultimately the working class, how it, it kind of bridges class divides. So you have people who are ostensibly working class people, but they're voting and, and against themselves uh, <laughs> because of, you know racism and things like that and then you have people as like the petite bourgeoisie who's like this managerial class and they also don't give a fuck about working class people um or the poor or minorities and so there's there's kind of an alliance and this is this is you know you can you can tie this to trumpism if you want clearly it ties to to nixon conservatism but really that's what it comes down to is you know you kind of throw out what you know to be in your best interest because uh you just hate brown people so gosh darn much or you hate hippies (laughs) so much and you kind of see that here except there's no uh, there's no real reason for them to like create a bond i I, (laughs) i guess joe admires the, the father, the the guy who kills the, the hippie, he admires him because he killed a hippie. Because Joe sits in a bar all day and drinks and drops N-bombs and, and just, you know, yells repeatedly about how it ought to be and how he wants to own the libs. Whereas the dad here... The, the dad has owned the libs. He has done the ownage uh, <laughs> to the maximum degree. <laughs> I love that scene
3: with uh, Joe at the bar and no one listening to him while he's yelling. Not because I actually enjoy the scene, but because I've seen it at least three times. Because um, in case you don't know, if you want to check this movie out, it is available on Amazon Prime, uh, except it doesn't play fucking right. <laughs> the entire movie like judders every other frame.
1: It's, it's very upsetting. It's it's like a shutter effect. It's kind of like something you would see in like Man on Fire or like a Wong Y Wai movie. Yeah. Except it's not stylistic. It's it's broken. And it's interesting because not only is it broken on Prime, uh, but also th- when you watch it on Prime, they cut off like the first five seconds of, of the beginning of the movie for some reason uh, <laughs> before the stupid song starts playing, which I'll play in a minute, by the way. Um, and then so I, I, I logged on to Tubi where it's also streaming. And it it is better, but it's still fucked up. So it's Hmm. like which fucked up version of this movie would you like to stream? That's your choice. That's that's what you got. Well, we gotta get
2: a four K restoration. No way, no one should ever watch this movie. No,
1: that's four
2: (laughs) K
3: um, but I, I, this movie for me, what's so bizarre about it is that it just, it kind of wants to have it both ways. It wants to take advantage of the cultural revolutions to make a film like this. And yet it despises the very, uh, people that would cause that revolution, like the very people that would allow right, this exactly. artist. It's exactly. like the opening scene when this guy goes into his apartment uh, or no, this woman goes into her apartment. Um, she's just taking a bath in the middle of a room for some fucking reason. And then she just takes <laughs> off her clothes and is she's naked for like within three yeah, seconds. That's called a Susan Sarandon titty. And you just saw it. Which, by the way, very attractive lady back in her day. But the thing is, like, there's no reason for her to be naked in the first three minutes other than you, this is what the we can do now. Isn't that shocking? You know, like... No reason for her to be naked. Nothing.
2: Well, it's a characterization of, of hippies and their free love ways. That That is the thing that is holding this movie back from saying anything at all, is that it It seems to despise hippie culture. <laughs> and thereby, it's, it undercuts its exploration of this conservative ideology, because who are you supposed to root for here? Who is in the right? It, it turns it from what could be somewhat... Illuminating, and instead, it just feels hyper nihilistic. Like everyone yeah. is wrong. Everyone is an asshole, uh, regardless of of what your political ideology is, the life choices you make. You're a toxic, <laughs> a nightmare. So, uh, mm. it's that lazy kind of <laughs>
1: South Park criticism, honestly where Unless, you know uh, South Park just kind of writes itself into a corner and goes, "Well, everybody's a piece of shit." And in this case, it's like, "Well, you know those hippies, they're drug dealers and um they they pimp out women and uh but you know Joe is clearly racist and he's a murderer and uh the ad executive dad, he killed someone <laughs> and he aspires to be like Joe. He idolizes Joe's like frankness and bluntness and all this shit. It's like, man, you guys all suck ass. Like, just everyone is terrible. And I'm not saying you you have to make a movie where it's just like, oh, here's the hero. Like, I don't need a hero, all right? There's there's plenty of great movies out there where everyone's a piece of shit, okay? Um, go watch a Noah Bombach movie. It's, there's a lot <laughs> of those, okay? Um, But here, it's like, not only is everyone a piece of shit, but no one has anything to say. There's There's no clear through line for any ideology there's nothing interesting going on in the background even the chaos even if the thesis of the film was you know uh, everything is is completely splintered and just irredeemably broken culturally and it's just a big melting pot of turds even if that (laughs) is your thesis it doesn't communicate it well
0: and and really
1: you're, you're not getting much and it's going as soon as things start going, and it takes about, fuck, like 45 minutes for this movie to get anywhere. Uh, Joe does not appear until 27 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. The 27-minute mark is when
3: Joe very first... By the way, the, 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 the I just one thing I want to touch on, why is this movie called Joe? That's one no thing we idea. really need to talk about.
2: <laughs> I think it, it yeah. speaks to the intent, and that is what is broken for me, because there's a disconnect mm. somewhere. Like, this movie is called Joe, it's got this uh, imagery on the cover that you know he's holding a, a fucking gun target with a hippie on it. It is marketed like, okay, this is wrong. This is a wrong-headed mentality. <laughs> we're making this movie about this psychotic uh, conservative who wants to butcher hippies, and and we're gonna explore his mindset and uh, how he's come to be this toxic and wrong-headed, but. It can't get there because it hates the other side so fucking
3: much. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's exactly. just it. Um, I like to think of it kind of like it's all about how you approach a story, you know? Like, remember when they announced they were going to make a Facebook movie? And everyone's like, that's so, like, pathetic. Hollywood's out of ideas. And then it turns out it was the social network. Everyone goes, oh, I get it. It's a Facebook movie, you know? You realize there's mm-hmm. actually a lot of potential here. This is like, um, this movie tries to be like about at least 12 different movies Because it's about um, the generational bond of World War II veterans um, and how they've been disenfranchised. Because, well, actually, I actually I don't know why I don't know they actually don't have anything bad happen to them at all in the movie. Like the two main
1: characters, and 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 the class conflict that arises. It's like their shared hatred of hippies. uh, Bill, the ad executive, and Joe that's enough to unite them where even when they they bring each other into their different worlds and and they sort of uh, pry into things that should you know make little lights go off and be like oh from a class standpoint there's something fucking wrong here so when joe finds out he joe goes oh well uh how much you make and 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 bill the ad exec is like oh i, I, don't, I don't want to talk about that and then joe says well i make you know, uh, I make four dollars an hour and this and that and the union and blah, blah, blah. And if, if you, you know, you look at it, it's like Joe makes about 50 K a year in today money. And then he finds out how much Bill is making. And Bill says, oh, I make sixty thousand dollars a year, which in 1970 to 2020 money, that's like making four hundred thousand dollars. It's an obscene amount of money. And Joe is just overwhelmed. He's like, that's like Hollywood money. How do you do that? The the leader of my union doesn't even make that much and blah, blah, blah. But then that's just kind of swept under the rug. It doesn't matter. No, you find that you think that's going to be a source of conflict
2: later in the film. And it it never really
1: becomes. It it never is. Joe is he's completely willing to cast aside all the things like he could easily he's not living the best life here. Um, He's made it known that his kids don't like him. he he could he could milk him for money but the whole thing is like it's all aspirational for him yep and then for bill it's like there's there's literally no reason for him to keep joe around other than he has this thing where he's just like well i just kind of like your gumption Like what
3: (laughs) you guys uh, you guys have read enough scripts or whatever to know when people are doing something like rewrites things just kind of change and then things stay when they shouldn't stay you know what I mean? There's just scenes that they don't longer exist. The thing that they're bouncing off of don't exist anymore because they were removed from the film. There's an extended dinner sequence that makes no sense within the context of the film where they 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 come over for dinner at, at Joe's house. And so it's these rich people Chinese. coming to this poor <laughs> to have Chinese food, which I mean, yeah, it's talking about class, but like there's like it doesn't connect to the way the characters act outside of that scene like it's just these different these actors playing different characters where they're at odds with each other due to class and then it's never and it's like it's touched on over and over and over again like Mm oh yes the nuts are being eaten out of the can oh i like them they're fresher that way like and I thought it was kind of fun at least at least it was doing something. It was talking about two yeah. different sides that it understood, the rich edge agency guy and the the poor uh guy who's uh you know working some union job in 1970. The problem is, is that it's it's a it's a film that it is it, uh, the duality it's working with, the the juxtaposition if you will uh, in in generations is the hippies versus these people. It understands these old people really well does no effort to do any research on the hippies. So it's just kind of guessing what they yeah. do.
1: And, oh, that's and, that's and exactly it. it. And it, it totally, it totally sweeps aside the class stuff to focus on the generational stuff. And it, and it just, it feels so disconnected from reality. And by not understanding who and what these hippies are, it's like, they're just caricatures. And, and uh, people actually identified with Joe too. And this is the other <laughs> thing I, I said earlier, I'm like, well, you know a lot of people who saw this movie were fucking idiots these are the same people who saw michael douglas and falling down and were like hell yeah that's my boy it's like no 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 that's not the point um
3: (laughs)
2: yeah really so what even this how the fuck there's no like moment in this movie that is even in like traditional action sense glorifying joe (laughs) it's not like yeah he's not an anti-hero he's nothing he's just a buffoon who shouts the n-word a lot <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah well you know
3: what when i was growing up we used to have a word for that bully and not the word that you say <laughs> when someone's being mean it's when something's being said that's right and for some reason that will just infer that this is okay <laughs> and then no one's, yeah. it's the movie keeps sternly talking to you The movie keeps saying yeah. now hold on you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> I'm like, no,
2: I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I can't get, a, like, you could say, like, oh, that dinner scene is mildly amusing. It's it's fun enough to watch. But I couldn't get there because it was a fucking hour into the movie. And I'm like, where are we going <laughs> with this thing? Mm-hmm. Like, I still can't figure out <laughs> your thesis. And uh, spoiler alert, I, I still have no fucking idea what the intent of this movie is. If the intent of this movie is just to be like, uh generational these are the the parents are a fucking toxin in america and so are their children in a a totally different way and we're all fucked and it's a sinking ship well that's about the only way i can read this thing that that i can get nothing Mm. else out of it and and as a piece of art, that's just, that's a pretty fucking stupid thing to make a film about. It's, it's what are we twelve? Like, let's explore yeah. this issue a little more thoroughly, not
1: just say no. I mean, it's fucked. This we're is it's, it's lowest the most common denominator <laughs> shit, and that's why like people were were fucking cheering at the end of Joe. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. Like, there's interviews that you can read with Peter Boyle specifically about this movie. And for a while, he refused to do any roles where he had to act violently because after he had did Joe, he was like, this fucked me up. And people, like, took it seriously and, and thought I was the good guy and I, I can't do a movie like that anymore. He turned down the French Connection because of Joe and Joe fucked him up. So he's just like, <laughs> I can't do it. That's that's the kind of, like, I just I can't And imagine. he would have...
3: He would have been amazing in The French Connection. He should have been in The French Connection, like, even though the version we have with Gene Hackman is, like, perfect, like... Of course, he should have been uh, Popeye Doyle. That makes so uh, much he, sense. He should
1: have been in. Uh, he should have been in Joe too. Citizen Joe, a movie that was rumored <laughs> for like ten years, to the point where <laughs> Cannon Films <laughs> was like promoting it, even though it didn't exist in any way, shape, or form. You know, the well, best part is kids Crazy
3: kids. Joe. They did Crazy. He actually he got so hard up for money. He did a film called Crazy Joe.
1: He welched on the idea of him like uh, you know not doing violent content one thing one thing we, we have to do though normally I play these trailers I save this one because I, I just want to jump right into this movie but uh, the Joe trailer is is dog shit it's one of the worst trailers I've ever seen which is weird because normally from this era it's it's good for audio format because they have to tell you exactly what's happening this this is this is terrible so but but we get a few reviews that are read out loud oh my and, god and we get the Joe song so here we go four stars devastatingly funny new york daily news
0: hey joe <laughs> why the devil did we go to war before <laughs> now yeah, all
1: the are raving about joe a very savage film very funny scores are triumph the
0: observer hey why don't you get a haircut <laughs> Get with the Pepsi generation, what a
1: line. Hey, get with the Pepsi generation. This is a joke. It's this a funny movie. This is movie. not a comedy. What are we fucking saying? It's not saying? a comedy, not Dude. at all, it's, like Dude. It's some like I laughed like three or four times. Um, but you're laughing
2: at like the audaciousness of some of the shit that Peter Boyle was saying and the performance. Exactly, but you're not and when he like, says
1: orgy. <laughs> it's not
2: a fucking written joke. It's just like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. It was, I mean, but this all is, my life I ain't never been to an orgy. I, I hope I'm not <laughs> out of line. <laughs> That'll always be funny. But yeah, like yeah. That, that joke at the end where he's like, Oh, hey, get with the Pepsi generation." Like, that's not a fucking joke. That's just a thing that you said. It's a pop culture reference. Guys, he said, "Get a haircut." It was funny. Did you hear? Did you hear the joke? It's he sad. said, "Get a haircut." <laughs> ah, get a haircut, you hippie. No one's ever said this before.
3: Hey, uh, everybody, I was watching this movie yesterday, uh-huh, and this one scene, this guy, he looks at somebody, he says, get a haircut. Are you kidding me? You can do that in movies? Unbelievable.
1: <laughs> Jesus. It's, it's so lame. I I, I hate Joe. I hate Joe. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that we want or need to say about oh. Joe? What, what do our listeners need to know before we move on to uh, something a little more palatable?
3: there's uh, a lot of scenes I just really want to address real quick with you guys, if we can just touch on a few of them. (laughs) Got it, baby. Give it to me rapid fire. Okay. Uh, One of them that really stood out to me was... uh... (laughs) Well, actually, this is a good scene. This is the one scene I actually like in the movie. There's a couple of scenes I think are OK. I think the the bonding between the two gentlemen at the bar is really cute, where he pretends to be the brand new manager of someplace. It's a, you know, it's like a sitcom scene, but it's funny. Eh, I don't know. Um, or the one of my favorite scenes is just him staring at the television. <laughs> Joe, just like without blinking. And his wife's like, hey, come to bed. And he's like, ah, I'm going to watch the news. It's a really cool <laughs> shot. It's just really creepy. of his wife kind of like poking her head out everything else is bad so yeah let's talk about the gun cleaning scene where he just goes down into his basement and they play the song joe for the second time they hey give, joe, they give it a joe this
1: song is gonna explain the entire plot for you <laughs> like, <laughs> you're clean
2: you're good in real time <laughs> does it though it's just like why'd we go to vietnam when everyone's still an asshole i'm like okay i guess that is the plot I mean, that's the whole everyone's thing just a like fucking
1: piece of shit <laughs> hey vietnam's bad but the war here that's the real war everybody mm. sucks that's the movie mm-hmm. that's that's it that's all you need to know
3: also the, the, the dad you know the, the, the entire film doesn't work for me on multiple levels because right away the daughter takes drugs that I guess she wanted to take but didn't want to take. She goes to find the drugs from her boyfriend and then she, he's like, here's the drugs. And she's like, thank you. And then he goes, yeah, take it. And then she's like, no, I don't want to take it. Like, there's just like scenes are really inconsistent. But the thing that's very strange to me is that they go to her apartment and I don't know why they say it's to collect her clothes. But why would they care? <laughs> Apparently and they say her place stinks or something. I'm just thinking about it, like th- th- and because he goes there to pick up the clothes, the guy shows up and he says something about like, yeah, your daughter, eh,
1: whatever. And he gets so enraged he just murders the guy <laughs> when he's killing him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm guessing he doesn't have the highest, you know, uh, he doesn't think highly of, of his daughter's boyfriend, but But why basically, go why even be there? All he says is like he's just like Hey, man, you're, you're Susan Sarandon's dad, man. You're a real square. She thinks you're not a groovy dude. And then he's just like, ah! Okay, okay so head. what
2: what he says boom, boom, boom. to uh, the father <laughs> to get him enraged is that he did a number on his daughter. Like, he implies that his daughter is, like, sexually attracted to him. And he's like, oh, for me, she was trying <laughs> to bang all these old men. And then dad <laughs> He's furious
1: and he kills him. Yeah, that's right. That's I mean, all the takes.
2: guy again with the tone. The guy—it's not exactly like I was fucking crying tears for his death. He's
3: a huge piece of shit. Yeah, he's fucking sucks. Not a good hippie. But there's some <laughs> elements of truth though. That's just it. Like apparently, the guy considers himself to be a great painter, and it's like, oh, of course, this guy's a total asshole. Also thinks he's a great artist, you know? And it's like, oh, that's that's, that's that. There's an element of truth there, but it doesn't well, understand. And there's it. also
1: like. There's some reality to the fact that like, yeah, New York in the 1970s and all of a sudden these these fucking hippies stop smoking weed and like banging in fucking flower fields and start (laughs) shooting a lot of heroin. And that's a different kind of drug. Mm. That's real shit. But they paint with such a broad brush with all the hippie characters that they, they don't give them any nuance. And because the movie hates everyone and everything without any nuance... Um. Yeah, it just it like like we said before, it doesn't work. Doesn't I like work how the
2: guy does a huge dose of heroin in his arm. He just fucking jams it in, <laughs> and, and then and she immediately wants to uh, Susan Sarandon's sitting there with him, watching him do this fucking junk in his arm, and and she goes, "All right, let's make love." I'm like, I don't think that's how heroin. I'm no I'm no heroin expert, but I don't think you're like. All right, time to fuck. Yeah, let's get on the
1: Boneski train. It's like time
2: for your when dick that spike not to work gets in like my vein. Week. I want to hop
1: on the Boneski train. Yeah,
3: so man, that's that. The opening scene with Joe, though, where he's just yelling at everyone, and then he goes to the jukebox and he can't find a song because they ruined the fucking music and all that kind of stuff. I when I watched this today for some reason I thought it, uh, instead of watching Peter Boyle deliver this, I was like, if they could just get David Cross and like a tutu to perform this monologue <laughs> it would be so perfect <laughs> like it's just exactly the kind of thing you would do <laughs> like it's 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 yeah. beyond parody instantly beyond parody and it's trying to like say like I, i'll say this much um the, some of the things that it says uh about racism are or like the, the actual racist coded language that it uses um, Is still used to this day. The idea that, oh, the, the black people, they only make money by having babies. Like, that's a direct line out of the film. And that's and still something that people queen. believe. Yeah. Yeah. People mm. still believe all of these oh, old yeah. myths. And it's, it's, and they've been like debunked. They've been, you know, not only have these like been debunked, they've been fucked. They've been turned out. These are not real things. And like people still will like parrot them on social media. It's insane to imagine wow. that a film from 1970 and like social media of today share that tone. But the problem mm. is that it doesn't address that anymore. Fuck that. I guess the guy's a racist, but he's right about some things. Is he or is he not? Like, what are you trying to say about this guy? Exactly. Like you've. At this point in the it's numerous times throughout the film, he just escalates situations severely, severely. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy just keeps agreeing to hang out with him, even though it clearly puts him in danger and. There's no, there's nothing wrong with this guy's life other than his daughter um, being, you know, in trouble at the moment and him killing that guy. Like the Joe part doesn't make any fucking sense. Like he just doesn't need to be there for so much yeah. of this movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, frustrating when the movie like tries to, it like hints that it's going to get at something. Like there's this point where they're, I think it's the first time they meet up and uh, they're talking and joe who is making no money the guy's basically barely getting by and then we have this guy who's very very upper middle class maybe even above that level but he they're talking about their savings and how uh the rich man has 18 grand stowed away and joe has 10 grand himself so there's almost like this sort of parallel Mm -hmm. like no it doesn't there's like no victory in capitalism but, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's just never something that is investigated further throughout the film. It's just like, ah, well, we threw that out there. Let's let's move along. Yeah. Yeah, you can't yep. just
3: poke at stuff and not actually comment on it. Otherwise, it, it just becomes and then the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then this happened. And then we went there. And then he died. And then he went down. And then... The, 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 the,
2: one more <laughs> instance where this movie is just kind of going like... Everything's broken. We're all fucked. And again, I just, I'm not going to react to a narrative like that these days. I mean, it's just, it's very juvenile. Thanks, we know. It's very fatalistic. (laughs) There's there's no point to it. I will say I'm amused that the father looks uh, uncannily like uh, Jeremy Irons circa 2020. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: I thought he looked like the guy from uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, and uh, UHF, the guy who played the villain in UHF that ran the TV network. I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) it doesn't matter look it up you'll see it (laughs) there's a um i don't know for me the the film joe there's like some good funny lines in it like the problem for me is that everyone in the movie is doing a great job the direction's great the cinematography is great the acting is great the script is horrible (laughs) because everyone thinks they're doing something important they think there's really they're really saying something man this isn't just a movie this is like this is like we opened up the theater to the real world, you know what I mean? Like, it's so grandiose, but it never tries to tie it all back mm. into something that's palatable or enjoyable or just, like you said, there's no thesis. It's just a bunch of stuff. But Peter Boyle does a really good performance with terrible lines. <laughs> like, one of my favorite is when he's talking to his wife. His wife's freaking out because they're going to have a dinner party and there's going to be a rich woman coming over and she doesn't chop at gimbals. Like, you know, there's some funny lines. And, and Joe says, uh, women got a lot to talk about they think
0: i don't know what that
1: means it's
3: his women be shopping line women go let's talk about they think
1: (laughs) i
2: I can't i can't even recommend the movie for boyle's performance but it is an admirable performance i mean he's he's very good in the film and very magnetic but it's not worth it
3: (laughs) can can we can we just um i'm sorry to all the listeners um Can we can we go into Joe spoilers? Oh, spoil the fuck to do that. All right, no, let's do it, guys. All right, no, because here's the thing: everything we're talking about is true. The first two acts of the film are just like, and then this happens, and then it slows down, and then this happens. Then the third act is a mile a minute, crazy ass orgy, guns going everywhere. The third act is like the classic canon film where suddenly out of nowhere, they're just like tits and bullets and screaming and like Peter Boyle's ass. Yeah, Peter Boyle's ass is in the movie (laughs) multiple times. And he's fucking multiple women because they all got to have some like Mm -hmm. it's so crazy. Well, because they're immoral
2: hippies. That's why, you know. Yeah. Love means nothing to these fucking hippies, man.
3: (laughs) The daughter goes missing because she um, she hears because for some reason they're bragging about the murder. (laughs) <laughs> they're just bragging how they got away with murder and the daughter overhears that he murdered the boyfriend So she runs away and so they're trying to find her and the way they find her is to just go to a bar And then some guy is like hey, you want to turn a trick, you know to this girl? And the girl's like "Ew, no way he goes over to them and he doesn't even offer to have her do anything instead offers to uh, Just asking if they have any grass any weed and they say yes And because they say yes, they don't try and sell them grass. They invite them to a party where they can what? Is that how it works if you have something already? Like, if I if I go to your house and I'm like, would you like to buy some insurance, right? You're like, no, I'm already insured. All right, well, we're having an insurance party later. Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's how people function in the real world. And that's like, that, as soon as they start smoking drugs, and that's when the orgy starts and that's when guns start. And the final third of the movie is just riveting. I love it. This is the part of the movie that I'm into. Um... So they're they're fucking women and then they get sad because the women don't want to fuck them anymore. <laughs> Did you notice that weird yeah. long extended sequence where it's like haven't you ever had a one night stand? Yeah, but I decided. Now the women are deciding things are changing See, around again, here. it's
1: it's these moments where especially in the third act where you feel like it's getting at something, you know? It's it's getting at this uh <sighs> like shitty conservative dude's sexual frustration because like Peter Boyle's just like, what well, I got on there. I pumped twice. It was great, wasn't it? She's like, nah, not really. No. And then the other girl is just like, eh, not so great. And even the comes other guy, she's him. just like, I don't know. It's, the, you know, it's whatever. It doesn't make it. And they really just, I mean, they're not like outright insulting them, but they're just like being completely blunt. And Joe is kind of taken aback by this. Uh, But it but it doesn't do anything with it. Like it it doesn't factor into anything else. It's just kind of a, you know, checking a box, basically. Um, Hey, man, if you want it
3: that much, you can have it. What? <laughs> like, please, please hire someone to read proof of your script. Like a woman, citing woman. Holy Ahuda. shit! Holy shit! <laughs> Holy I shit! It's
2: almost—it's almost worth it just for a boil
1: going grooving and screwing, <laughs> grooving and screwing. I'm like, goddamn. I'm just here to pump it into some punani. But there's back to back fucking really back well. to,
3: literally one girl gets out of the bed and another girl jumps in and he starts fucking her and she's like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> like, is that assault? What the fuck just happened? But of course, no, um, the, the best way Boyle manhandling that other woman when they get their stuff stolen is so fucking funny to me. He starts abusing the shit out of this woman, which sounds very dark. But the problem is that it's filmed so poorly. <laughs> it's just he they, they're trying to figure out where the hippies ran off to with their stuff. And so he's just slapping this woman. But it doesn't look like he's really holding her down. And it doesn't really look like he's slapping her. And it really looks like she could probably just shove him lightly. <laughs> Instead, she's like, no, 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 no. And like they stop and start multiple times. so <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, stop slapping her. You know, we should really just <laughs> <laughs> and it goes right back into it. <laughs> like, there's so many moments where things just stop and start over and over and over again. I love it. It's so adorable. <laughs> because they think that they're really they're being off script, man.
1: <laughs> well. Before we move on to our next Canon film, uh, I will say that if you if this movie sounds at all interesting to you, uh, I assure you it's not as interesting as you think it is. But lucky for you, the ideas and and, and the the culture that has inspired this film and the things that you know, the, the original seed that grew into the big shitty Joe tree. Um, th- those same things inspired movies throughout the 1970s that cover a lot of the same ground, but do it in a way better way. So uh, you could watch uh, Milos Forman's 1971 film, Taking Off. You can watch basically anything Paul Schrader did in the 1970s. You could watch Taxi Driver. You could watch Hardcore. um, You could watch Blue Collar. Those are all great choices. Just do that instead. Watch those four movies. Watch any of those movies. And you'll be much better off...
3: Would they exist without Joe is the question, I would say, because Joe seemed to prove that there was an audience, both critically and commercially, that that would watch this. And I don't know if you could get away, if you could get a round of funding on some of those films... Without being like, well, Joe is popular because it was universally beloved. It's hard to exaggerate how much people loved this movie, and it, it, it's yeah. it's bad. Like, I, even I young mean, people like it. You,
1: you could speculate on something like that, and and you could talk about like the impact of a film, which is sort of the the you know opposite world version of Joe Billy Jack, uh, which I also <laughs> think is kind of a colossal pile of shit. Yeah, um, it is and that that was a a big driver for independent cinema kind of getting wide distribution and and being being able to compete with the with the major studios but the point is watch better movies okay that's that's what you can do and if we're talking about better movies why don't we uh hit fast forward to the 1980s and watch death wish 3
0: in a world gone mad there is only one law is Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. Bronson's back in New York. Bringing justice to the streets. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3.
1: That's fucking right. Death Wish
0: 3. That's awesome. Doesn't
2: Death Wish 2 take place in New York? No, so does it takes Death place in Los right? Angeles.
1: Let me oh. let me create the the Death Wish timeline for you. So Death Wish one, Charles Bronson's wife is murdered in New York City, and so he takes vengeance on the six gang members that he suspects killed his wife.
2: Death Wish two. Don't forget that his his daughter was also raped. That's important. Rape is very mm. important to the Death Wish franchise.
1: Yes, rape. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Death Wish two, his daughter is raped and killed. And then I think the maybe the lady he's fucking in addition to the his daughter is also killed or something. I believe his housekeeper is murdered and probably also raped. Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's and a so lot of assault he, he in the series. On the West Coast, he does a little West Coast Death Wish. So where do you go for Death <laughs> Wish three? Well, he's he doesn't have any more daughters. <laughs> wouldn't you know, he's plum out of wife, but. He does have an old war buddy and a good friend, even though it's never really established that he's like a war guy. He's just like an architect or something in the first they movie. Never established
3: how they know each other.
1: Do they? No, but he's I just like an old, old army buddy, whatever. But his buddy lives in the fictionalized uh, 1980s <laughs> New York that preys on like the classic anxieties of white people, and I've, I've. You, you People defend this movie and they say that it's not like deeply racist because it's literally like the United fucking Nations, these these gangs, this gang that exists in this movie. It's every color of the fucking rainbow. But it's very telling that all the people that they are terrorizing are elderly white people. What do you mean? There's um,
2: Hispanic people who are terrorized. Yeah, there's, yeah,
1: there's, there's a Hispanic couple. <laughs> One is a woman who is raped and murdered and the other guy is he's like constantly around and somehow doesn't die but all, but he doesn't have like more than two or three lines and just cries all the fucking time. So this he's great. A good pipe gun. Yeah, oh god, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Anyways, the point is Um, There is a malicious punk street gang that has like Mad Max vibes to it and we're full post-apocalyptic here. So you have this, this like tenement building with all these poor like elderly white people that are holed up and they're just surrounded by a Mad Max gang. And uh, (laughs) Charles Bronson shows up vengeance will be his. So my question to you, Colin, is why is this the best movie ever made?
3: (laughs) That's hard to say, because when you said that, they're like Mad Max characters. We need to preface this by saying that the people that are living inside of the apartments, they're very normal people. They make sure that they seem as normal as possible. And then they also make sure that they have these Mad Max characters. So it's just fucking jarring. Like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is just some guy coming in going, we can come into your house whenever we want, whenever we want. And it's just like, if this
1: movie started with, if if they changed the title instead of Death Wish 3, if it was called like Death Wish 20XX, and it started with a a little title screen that said like, the year is... 2037 lawlessness reigns supreme in new york i would believe that this was like a futuristic post-apocalyptic movie there's there's nothing that would tell me otherwise sure just as like dystopian post-apocalyptic as any number of other movies from this era or any other era so
3: yeah, <laughs> I would I would suggest that if you want to do a little bit of a rewrite, because I really like that direction that you're taking there. What if we do like kind of a time travel scenario, have a time portal open up. So these like people from the future are coming into the New York of the past. So that way, you know, you know that all of future generations are also bad. That way, you know, oh, that there's good. no hope. And and <laughs> maybe the best part is that the villain could be like Charles Bronson's great, 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 great grandson. So he could be like, take this and shoots himself in the head. So <laughs> He like destroys the timeline. <laughs> This is fun, right?
2: the problem here is that you could say they try and make the the residents of the apartment complex seem like the most normal humans possible, <laughs> but they can't because this movie is so fucking insanely violent that it, oh, it's yeah. just it reads so so goddamn nuts because it'll be like kindly old Jewish couple, uh, someone broke into their house so Bronson sets up a literal fucking death trap. Uh, to murder yeah. whoever tries to enter their window again and it sets off while they're eating dinner and smashes <laughs> some guy's skull open and, and the way that people react to this it's like they cut in fucking scenes from like batteries not included or something like jessica tandy like enjoying the the fucking joys of the extraterrestrial uh beings or something that it's just goddamn insane like everyone is reacts with glee to every fucking maniacal thing that bronson does at this movie
1: that's i mean that's that's seriously what and all these these like nice elderly people are just caricatures like there's this one guy who's just like he's just got like old baseball photos hanging everywhere but (laughs) then he's got like a howitzer stashed away uh the old jewish couple is just like it's like a fucking caricature they're just like Oh, boiled cabbage and manashevitz. Like that's that, they invite Bronson over for dinner and that's what they're just like talking about. It's they invite every, him over everything for is, multiple a, is a dinners. grotesque racial stereotype.
3: They, dude, cuz like every time they're having dinner, something happens. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. They do you have, them have sure. over multiple Ready dinners, time. which is big and <laughs> insane because
2: the first time they have him over for dinner, he's like, "Hello, I'm Charles Bronson. Let's have dinner." And then they they have like two bites of dinner. He walks outside to his car and shoots two men in the chest with a fucking Magnum in the heart. and then walks in the heart. back into dinner like hello good times what's for dessert it's like what uh what the, the gefilte fuck? fish was
3: lovely <laughs> you can you can see on the blood pack it's the heart they're clearly they are dead there's no and and they even talk about how that gun that's when is that the really good gun or is that no no that's yeah, later oh. this is his
2: snub Yeah, la- so later when he
1: busts out his big game elephant gun okay this is a
2: regular gun uh that makes that it the normal. Second dinner?
1: this is his so the normal magnum that he carries around not yeah, this the big is,
2: one he walks back in he, and, and his buddy's like <laughs> hey, hey, what were you doing out there? He's like, sending a message. It's like, (laughs) no.
1: That's when you're like, oh, okay, you want to get some dessert or something? Call the police, call the police, call the police. I mean, and and the basic plot here, the basic plot is just that Bronson shows up, his buddy has been killed by this gang, and then the police show up and think Bronson did it, so they arrest him. But then, uh, somehow they figure out that he's Deathwish Charles Bronson, And they're like, okay, so what we're gonna do is, since you like killing people, and we don't like want to do cop stuff, I guess we're just gonna let you go kill a bunch of motherfuckers, and we won't arrest you, and we'll take credit for it. And Bronson's like, okay, and then he just goes on this this goofy ass killing spree. Now, uh, you could levy any sort of cultural criticism against this movie under the sun, Um, but unlike Joe. Uh, in which Peter Boyle is screaming the N-word and the movie sucks ass. This is probably like deeply racist and and violent and has the exact wrong message about vigilantism and violence and inner city life and everything else under the sun, but I'll give a fuck, this movie rocks. At (laughs) least it it has the currency to be a fucking cartoon. (laughs) Exactly. This is like the Looney Tunes of, of goofy-ass 80s action movies with wrong-headed politics. It is glorious. <laughs>
3: Was this filmed anywhere near New York, though?
1: Because it they show possibly. him coming
3: in...
2: Huh? I can't imagine. This has got to yeah. be filmed in, like, fucking Romania or
3: some shit. Because <laughs> they have <laughs> stock footage like. of New York, and then the rest of the movie just looks like it's filmed on a back lot. Like, it doesn't even look like it's connected to reality. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, um, yeah, you know, one of the things I love about the Death Wish series... Is it's so stupid that it almost makes a point sometimes, and then it completely goes nah, not not gonna do that. So you you think there's there's points throughout the movie where the cops do show up, and for instance, they show up and they they take a gun from the elderly Jewish couple because (laughs) they say, "Uh, "Excuse me, sir. uh, You know, guns (laughs) are illegal in New York City. They're totally (laughs) illegal." That's that's how it works. And uh, someone saw you waving a firearm in the window, so you're gonna have to give up the gun, or we'll arrest you. So you think in your head, you go, okay, well that's weird. I bet the cops are corrupt. I bet this dickhead police chief is actually working with the gang to like skim money off the top of his drug deals or something like that. Like I, you think that's where the plot's gonna go. But the answer is no. It the, <laughs> the cops are ostensibly the good guys in this. And then you also think there's there's numerous parts too. Where Bronson's vigilantism, as a direct result of Bronson fucking shit up, people die. Like, mm-hmm. normal, everyday people. Bad things happen, okay? There's one point where he starts banging this lawyer, and he's like 90 in this movie. I mean, Charles Bronson Ugh. always looks like he's 90, but he's very old. So we have some real, like, Tom Atkins Halloween 3, just old man fuckathon a uh, energy going on here. And he, he bangs this chick... And then she's driving away, gets punched in the face by a gang member. And then her her car idles into an intersection where she's like lightly (laughs) T-boned and there's a massive explosion. I rewound it three times because it's it's that funny. But the point is, people die because of what Charles Bronson does. He ostensibly makes things far worse before he, heavy finger quotes, fixes the problem. And he addresses this. He says it out loud. He's like, you know, all they want is me. If I give them me, we can end this. And then he's like, nah, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so there's multiple times where like literally this movie, it's it's not just wrong headed, but it like walks up to the line of this it's, is
2: it's the a right race thing. war. This and is how it looks race directly wars. at it and it
1: goes, no, no right thing. <laughs> and then it just backs away <laughs> and blows more shit up. Best movie. <laughs> I, I, th-
3: what I love is that um, the, that woman and her, her tragic death scene uh, is that <laughs> is that uh, he just goes, hey, I'm going to go check my mail and then like she's like okay i'll be right here and three seconds later she's dead it's so weird he just parks yeah. his car at like 9 p.m he's like hey, i gotta go get my mail like dude just let it go <laughs> like just yeah yeah and
2: we're right, we're like not at the point where he's he's not aware that they're after him like he they are after him they're at fucking full-on <laughs> war and he's like yep mm-hmm. mail it's like why but the whole this is that whole character is a fucking nonsense like we don't need more motivation for Bronson. How many people do, do need to fucking die in his orbit? Like, we get it. His his friend was killed. Even if I hadn't seen the previous two films wherein every other person in his life has been raped and murdered, I would get it. His friend was killed. That He's out for revenge. The end. Why do we need this <laughs> insane public defender who is uh, probably 40 years younger than him who just... Oh, yeah. Uh, Goes out of her way to look him up, drives up to his house in this fucking crater surrounded by a war-torn maniacs. And <laughs> and is like, oh, I I just had to find you so we could fuck. Like, I, I just
3: need to fuck you immediately. Uh, well, and, No, hold well, on. The chemistry was pretty good in those scenes because, like, when you when you oh, watch some okay. dating, yeah. no, they're, they're, it's really cute because either <laughs> she's saying things like, "Ooh, I want to fuck you," "Ooh, you're sexy," "Ooh, I want to fuck you," or she's saying things like, "Somebody's got to clean up the streets. Just clean up the streets." <laughs> it's just like yeah, really I get horny from <laughs> clean <the> streets
2: myself. <laughs> yeah, it's got to have that fucking dad shit too where she's like a public Ah. defender and she's like i'm just it's unfortunate that i'm on the wrong side of the law
3: (laughs) 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 but that's just it that's the that's that's what you're talking about where the scene where the cops are showing up and taking away the guns that's not supposed to be something that will come back later because you're supposed to inherently know that's how it really is isn't it folks the criminals get to keep the guns and the good people get um um their guns um uh, taken away, you know, like the stupid bullshit talking points once again, like n- fucked it, turned it inside out. Ain't no truth in it, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, the, the difference is, is like between this and other like heel conservative ideology action films of which there are many is it's impossible to take this seriously, okay? Yes. It's not like it genuinely has anything to say because it's that fucking stupid. This is like, it, the, this is the equivalent of like a clown like driving around on a tricycle honking a horn and then at the very end like the horn spits out a little flag that drops down and says like there was a Benghazi cover-up or something like it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> like the conservative ideology is so backburnered for the stupidity that it's it's easy to laugh off if anything it makes it funnier and well if you want it is, to be is the
3: glue what's that That's- that's just it. Only if you want it to be. This this film is, is your uncle who you can hang out with and you can laugh a little bit. And then he's like, well, you know, that's... Fortunately, that's what those people over there are doing. And you know what he means. It just you can ignore that and just move on to a different subject, like race cars or something. <laughs> you know, like yeah. If you if you want to think about hey something, let's saying, talk about
1: race cars and not the race card. How's that sound? <laughs>
3: but, <laughs> <don't>, <laughs> but my favorite scene is where uh, Miss Rodriguez is uh, assaulted and murdered. Uh, and then they show up to the hospital, and this doctor, who obviously just understands, um, you know, bedside manner, just looks, <laughs> looks the husband right in the eye and says, uh, "Miss Rodriguez has expired."
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, like she's a carton no. of milk, and it's great too because Bronson, like right before that, calls up the hospital. And he looks at the at the crying uh, man. Who that's all he does. He just cries and he shoots his pipe gun. But he's cries like, "Oh, my wife! They raped a man!" And Bratz is just like, "I just spoke with the hospital. She just broke her arm. Everything's okay." And then they show up. Your wife has expired, Mister Rodriguez. And he's like, "Oh no! What happened?" He's just like, "Complications due to." Broken arming. <laughs> this
2: is so awesome! Like this movie is so rock dumb. Like it's the same thing as the defense attorney again. Like, w- why we don't need more escalation? <laughs> they no, they, they fucking his wife and broke her arm. Why does she need to die? Like, it serves no purpose at all.
3: Now, because guys, it's like roaches. Like roaches, you got to kill them, like roaches. Like continuously, <laughs> kill them all. they they make so many references to people within the inner city being roaches. They make no, like it is, it is not even like subtext. They literally say it out loud, <laughs> like multiple mm-hmm. times. Like you got to kill one because then there's going to be five more. And that's a really disturbing way of looking. That's, you know, here's the thing about Joe and about Death Wish 3, and they're very much you know, interrelated. The idea that like in, in in popular culture, the idea that instead of it being like an external threat, like the Germans are coming or the aliens are coming, um, or even the idea of like the Civil War. If you look at like classic film and the way the Civil War is portrayed is portrayed as tragedy is like, oh, if only they knew that they were both good or some bullshit like that. Or the South was good. Mm-hmm. If you really watch some like Birth of a Nation, really disturbing shit. This film just it, it doesn't know any of the sociology, it doesn't want to learn any of that, it doesn't even want to try to figure out anything. It just wants to just push everyone down and shoot everyone because they're making the world too challenging to understand. And that is really dark. If you think
1: about it, it's like the, I mean, that's, it's, that's it's, it, it's, it's kind of like if, if you want to talk about a, a, a script collab here, this seems to be a collaboration between a 13 year old boy and, like, your racist mima who hasn't driven through the city limits in 25 years because she, like, read about a carjacking <laughs> in, like, 1987 or some shit. Like, it, it, it's, <laughs> What's it's <that> completely... From? <laughs> it's, it's written by people that have never actually been in a city or have any idea, like, even in areas of high crime, like, what, you know, what the plight of the urban working class is. And that's fucking fine because... Again, if this movie had even a a tiniest, the the most tiniest inkling of a clue, it wouldn't be as hilarious as it is. It's it's just beautifully (laughs) stupid. And God, Bronson as an action hero. I mean, we talked about his sex appeal, but really, he's always been old. He's always looked old. When the first Death Wish came out in 1974, he looked fucking old. So by the time this drops in, you know, 85 or whatever, he looks ancient. And keep in mind... These movies keep happening. There's a Death Wish four that comes out like eighty seven, <laughs> eighty eight. There's a Death Wish five that comes out in like the mid nineties, a decade after this. He is a thousand years old, and he looks—he's just crag faced, the gray hair. He's got the great body thing going, where it's kind of that Chris Jericho body, where it, maybe there's a six pack underneath there. There is when, they, like, when he
2: takes his shirt off. He's—he's he's got like some muscle. He's pretty good.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. got muscular definition, but a gut and he just has this like this like sinewy dryness to him. He's like a, a withered muscle tree. I love him. I love him. It's just he's perfect. Also, and, can, we, can we talk about the
3: relations between uh, the scripts between Joe and, and Death Wish 3? I guess they just, they love this idea, this little, this little plot device of the, of the World War II guns that you brought home from the war, <laughs> which oh, yeah. I don't believe was really that common. I know it does,
0: it did happen.
3: <laughs> I mean,
2: I think, I'm sure it happened to an extent, like your fucking service revolvers. I don't think many people are walking out with fucking chain guns. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, an anti-tank missile? <laughs> I mean, I guess that we should stop making fun of Bronson for checking the mail because it made perfect sense (laughs) considering what he was regularly having mailed to himself. Uh, At least. Both an elephant gun and a fucking uh, (laughs) missile launcher.
3: Yeah, just, you know, standard stuff. Dude, okay, if you shot a man in the spine in cold blood in, in, in daytime, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. The entire neighborhood, even if... Okay, like, here's the thing. Once again, we're talking about, like the 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 two sides, you know, it doesn't understand its its supposed antagonists because if that guy actually, if Giggler or whatever his name was, uh died, that would really affect that community in a very sizable way. Because of course if he's living within the community, he's not just living in this gang he's living in in, and has a job or maybe he doesn't have a job or maybe he has family or maybe he has kids or there's no way that it's just this individual, but they like to prefer to dehumanize people where they have no connection to the world Mm -hmm. outside of um, being a soldier for an, uh, what does the gang do exactly?
1: (laughs) What's their point? Do they make money? Uh, They snort loads of Coke and fucking Bill from Bill and Ted is in it. uh, And it's led by, Oh, oh god, god. I, I, even, I can't even remember what the actor's name is. Um, I don't know but he's a oh, fucking Gavin, hero. Gavin O'Harely. Yeah,
2: he's a fucking hero. He's <laughs> the got greatest like the, gang he's got leader. He's like dad hair except it's just like normal dad blonde dad hair except that it's this is shaved right down the middle for
1: no fucking reason at all. Yeah, he looks like he looks like a scrawny dad version of Hawk from the Road Warriors. That's that's <laughs> kind of the haircut we're, we're shooting for here. So like scrawny ass Hawk. Can we just talk about that guy in General? Cuz that
3: guy's amazing. I love his introductory scene. Oh, he's scene great.
1: He's awesome. With his
3: nose? Look at his nose hair. His nose hair is just like just um, it's like he leans back so you can see it too. Like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> also, it takes place in New York and when Charles Brownson goes to jail and has to fight people in jail, he throws that one big the big guy <laughs> through the steel bars. And then oh, this other that, guy's that's tr- good. This other guy's trying to wrestle him though, and I swear, uh, am I losing my mind? It looks a lot like Bruno Sammartino, like a lot <laughs> like Bruno <laughs> Sammartino, <laughs> like
2: just
3: and it would have been around that era, like the late '80s. He definitely would have looked like this and had a little bit of gray in his mustache. And the thing is, he falls on his back and he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to kidnap him. You know, he's trying to kick him in his, his at the legs, which is exactly what like wrestlers did back then when they would fight boxers. I'm like, listen,
1: listen. This is a great theory, Colin. Except you know Bruno would never take a bump, even if it was for Bronson. So it's, <laughs> it's it can't be. So
3: I get a, I get a, uh, I get a phone call, and they say you want to be a movie star. I say okay, I'll be a movie star. What time? It's Tuesday. I say okay, we go on Tuesday, and uh, Charles Bronson the uh, kick his ass in jail. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: can't do my. T- I forgot how to do my Bruno San Martino. <laughs> Oh, well. I mean, you know, vague Italian guy, that'll do. That'll do. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, If you're looking for just the, the iconic kind of canon, dopey action film, if you are looking for the ultimate uh, Death Wish film, if you're looking for a great example of stupid 80s action and you want to step outside of that Arnold bubble or that Sylvester Stallone bubble into something a little dumber and a little cheaper... Uh, Death Wish Three is is incredible. I would recommend this to <laughs> anyone any day of the week.
2: Just don't uh, read into the production of said movie, wherein uh, a woman who is in the film exclusively to be a topless rape victim was uh, sued. Uh, uh, Michael, what's his name? Michael Winter uh, mm-hmm. for yeah, you know, no. he allegedly like kept her as a sex slave and whipped her and shit. Great uh, oh. piece of shit. Uh, wow. you know don't don't consider uh, uh, you can't really watch a death wish movie without feeling gross anyway and <laughs> yeah you know, just don't look into and it now further. you feel grosser it yeah, is a movie do this movie well, is like so close to being like steve said earlier like about sort of the escalation that a vigilante can cause like bronson is in reality the villain of the film but uh it's just thankfully dumb enough to uh ignore that i guess yeah <laughs> Either explore <laughs> yeah, it or yeah. don't. And uh, Joe couldn't pick a lane on that front. And that's what Shri firmly picks a lane of.
3: Who gives a fuck? But yeah. I don't know. I don't want to overhype this movie because for me, everything except for the final 20 minutes is kind of disposable. Like you can kind of just watch like a, a best of for five minutes and then watch the complete final 20 minutes because there's a lot of scenes of old men walking around and being like, ah, oh, it's bad out there. Yeah, it's bad. A lot of stuff going on. It's real bad. And then he goes on a date. Oh, we should clean up the streets. It's boring at times. But but the thing is, then they have an explosion. And I mean multiple explosions. But when they have an explosion, it's like the best fucking explosion you've seen. It's so good. And when people are shooting guns, um, it's those classic caps, which are amazing. Unless you're Brandon Lee. But they're amazing because they like shoot out smoke. And it just like everything has like a lot of texture to it. Like the smoke coming out of the gun and the explosions. You see the glass breaking. It's really intense and exciting stuff. You know? <laughs> but- yeah. I, I'm, I'm
2: like consistently entertained by this movie. I find it to be uh, a blast. Yeah. I think it's like one of the better, like low budget action movies of the era, but it's not well made. It's a very poorly edited film. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's cheap and shitty, but uh Never stops being fun. I don't know. Give me fun every time. Yeah. And, and this, like, yep. that's for sure.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, and, and and every once in a while, every once in a while, that shitty editing and the shitty direction and the shoddiness of the whole production really creeps in in fun ways. Like when they realize, you know, we don't really have much of an ending here. So uh, again, we're going to spoil this one for you, but it doesn't really change anything because you know where this one's going. But uh, Chekhov's rocket launcher that we are shown about halfway through makes an appearance in the final scene wherein from like five feet away... Uh, Bronson blasts the main villain in the chest with the rocket launcher, blowing him through the wall, blowing up the whole wall. Bronson awesome. and the police chief are unscathed. It's fucking awesome. And then his corpse is just burning outside. And this is like, I mean, I'm, I'm explaining this like it's an extended scene. This is like 10 seconds. Yeah. It's just, it's just, boom, just ends. bam, down, roll credits.
2: And then roll credits. There's- and again, you're, you're like, what are, th- <laughs> I mean, it's Death Wish 3. You're like numb to the fact that it's not saying anything. But what an insane fucking note to end on, where the credits are just playing over this the street, and it's just a burnt out husk. It's just playing over like oh yeah, it's three leveled. burning cars on an empty street. It's like what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? The, the, our heroes rolls out of town. He just fucking picks up a suitcase. Walks away, and the entire place that he yep. just "quote unquote" saved is a smoldering rubble. <laughs> That's right, baby. The good stuff. No, but
3: they at the end of the scene, you actually see like the the, the Jewish couple, like they're looking on and smiling, and the older guy, like he's cleaning his new apartment. <laughs> Yay, oh, wait, our wait, neighborhood's wait, wait. ruined. <laughs> I'm sorry, that never happens. They never go back to those characters. Always sees the chaos without any no. like of the benefit. Like it's just, it's just. Uh, uh, that's why I say the final 20 minutes are the best part, because like like halfway through the film, there's a scene that sounds so awesome. And it should be awesome where this guy's trying to kill Bronson with an Uzi and he's running away from him and like at night. And that sounds like such a cool scene where it's like hide and seek and there's an Uzi going off. That's like, whoa. But instead, it's really slow and boring. And it's like, damn it. If you could take the energy of the final 20 minutes and just like inject it into some other scenes, I would be like. I'd be like over the moon, but
1: as you know, Colin, a, I think you're underestimating, uh, how great it is to watch old man Bronson fucking run. So uh, I love. not disagree with you there and say it's highly entertaining. <laughs> no,
3: I, I love it. And I assume your audience will love it. I just don't want to overhype it because it's, it's one of those films that it gets a lot of hype sometimes.
2: I feel like anyone who goes in will f- immediately figure out that they shouldn't be like anticipating some, a great piece of work because the like, open of the movie where they're just shooting like basic establishing footage of new york city where again the film's not made apparently made in london which is equally fucking insane but uh oh that's very bizarre oh i might yeah but the establishing footage uh it's shot like the worst handheld footage you'll ever fucking see in a a real movie It's, it's just like what the fuck are we doing it's like Simple city skylines. The cameras just go like, ya, 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 ya. It's like
3: Dude, <laughs> did you like the music with like the synth drums? Like the
0: saxophone.
2: I kinda thought this movie was gonna have a really cool score, and then it was just like the fucking cheesiest horseshit on earth, real quick. Where it would just like pan over like a a painting of like Revolutionary War soldiers or something, and the score would go like, it's like, <laughs> yeah,
3: I like opera, yeah, <laughs> like,
1: all that um, fucking best movie on the face oh, there. Did you,
2: did you really like opera?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> hey he got bronson her bronson no. has like three lines in the entire movie no no He's, guys it's, that's, like a, that's... it's like a charles bronson doll where you pull a string out of his back and he says like one of seven famous lines and that's all he repeats throughout the movie
3: did you guys ever do that to one of your dates i know it's kind of like corny but i i'm old-fashioned where you tell him you like opera and then later they ask you if you like opera and you say no you say no <laughs>
1: No. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a slick got one. Chew, you.
3: you.
0: That's how you get them.
1: Oh, uh, that's how my grandparents met. Yeah. <laughs> Fellas, you want some dating tips? Start with that one. More on the next episode. All right, guys, we got to wrap this thing up. We're going long. So, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh, I didn't prepare for a put over. This is like a special episode. Oh, shock of the fucking century.
2: Uh, this put over, uh, i uh, just, just put watched this cyberpunk. movie uh i'm just fucking with you for our bonus podcast <laughs> which will be releasing prior to new year's day uh it's called the bloom house into the dark hulu things and uh, yeah high praise it's better than uh, virtually all of them we've watched which is to say it's like a six out of ten uh so go watch it immediately now uh, <laughs> more accurately uh you know if you're uh, helping us on Patreon, we we certainly appreciate it, and uh, this content will be there presently. So check it out.
1: All right, sounds good, Colin. What are you putting over this week? Can I put over my own bullshit? Is that too egotistical? Yeah, go ahead, man. Plug, plug away. Okay. Um,
3: fuck. If you go to Vimeo.com, I didn't really prepare this. I didn't prepare any of this. I just did it yesterday because I wanted to. You're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, <laughs> I got a new computer and wanted to like make something really, really quick because I'll make like videos and sometimes they'll be taken off the internet immediately. Like I have no place to host videos whatsoever. So <laughs> cause they're all kind of, they, they think they're infringing on copyright, but that's bullshit. And the fact that people are even kowtowing to that shit, fair use actually does exist. It's insane that people are trying to backtrack that, whatever I could go on forever about this because I've experienced like a lot of my content being removed from the internet because they think they own something, whatever. Um, so now I'm doing stuff through fair use that I know is fair use and using other people's material <laughs> deliberately. And you can check out like what I make at Vimeo and look up for something called I Can See... Four Miles, which is I Can't See, the number four, and Miles, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll post it online at some point, it's it's just a bunch of like stupid little editing uh, fuck arounds, it's basically like a child and messed with iMovie, <laughs> way too long. Uh, yeah, and also on that channel you, you have a video that you did
2: for us for Caustic Content, which you are going to be appearing on a little more regularly, so people can hear you there as well. Uh, yeah
3: and that video will go uh the video that'll go live will be this one and there's some other stuff we got (laughs) there's some secret squirrel stuff about old videos that we also have to talk about
2: keep an eye on that (laughs) channel for some optimism vaccine content
3: yeah, we'll try and post it in a way that'll make it accessible to everyone. And Vimeo is really easy to use. So if, if you post it on Twitter, people can, it's just like YouTube. You can watch it directly through the window itself, or you can download an app. It's really not anything too funky. It's actually, I would say, pretty damn great. And the video content or the um, the servers are actually, I would say, even better in terms of quality, uh, in terms of like consistent bit rates than even YouTube. So... Uh, it's a well, cool, cool website. That. I mean, it's like a nerdy thing to say, whatever. But if, if you know, you post uh, on YouTube. You know, I, it,
0: I just want to tell our audience that
1: uh, the, the bit rates are exceptional on, uh, on Vimeo. <laughs> so uh, yeah, check it out. I'm just
3: saying, like, when you see some <laughs> fucking artifacting bullshit, like if there's like snow in a scene or something, like everyone has to deal with it differently. And it seems like Vimeo just seems to always output very select. It doesn't throttle as much as, as YouTube. So you don't really have to worry yeah. about that as much.
2: That is the benefit of having like one one millionth of the traffic of YouTube.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, you can watch it on there, and uh, Mm -hmm. I highly recommend everybody go and, um, I don't know, repurpose anything for their own fun.
1: Because it's legal, and you you can do it, and you can share it, and no one can take it away from you. (laughs) It's insane. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, this week, uh, I'm going to put over one of the movies that I mentioned earlier in the show. So I, I mentioned some stuff from the 1970s that you could watch instead. Uh, talking about a bunch of Paul Schrader stuff, which you should definitely still check out. So, uh, obviously, you've probably seen Taxi Driver before. If you haven't, you can watch that. But uh, Paul Schrader's hardcore, um, in addition to Blue Collar, they're both stone-cold classics and I think a little bit underrated as far as as far as Paul Schrader stuff goes. Not movies that get talked about a lot. Um, but another movie that I'm going to put over this week Uh, is one that I I really don't hear people talk about at all. It's from the Czech director, Milos Forman. It's his first uh, English-language film. It's called Taking Off, and it's kind of like a fun comedy version of, uh, you know, uh, some of the same themes that are not really explored, but vaguely referenced in Joe. So definitely check that out. Uh, Milos Forman, he's the guy who made, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Adam Meyrus' favorite film of all time, Hair. So, oh yeah. man, <laughs> it's not true. I, I hope it's not true. Is that Wait, true, am, No. It, is that the monkeys one or the
3: the musical one? It's the musical.
1: Uh, the the musical. Okay. Man, come on. It's a what's rock the, what's the monkeys
3: one? Was it the monkeys had another head. film called? That's head. What was it? Head is different. Ah, thank you. All right.
1: Don't get your head so that, and your hair mixed up, sunny boy that's the difference between kids nowadays and how things used to be we had head they got hair okay so anyways if you listen to this podcast right now do us a big favor there are two links in the description one will take you directly to our itunes page uh, apple is a giant evil monolith and we hate them but they control our fate so what you can do to help this podcast <laughs> if, if you cannot help us out monetarily what you can do is click that link and leave us a five-star written review. This will take exactly three seconds. Um, you can you can just you can give us five stars and say, good podcast, but I still think it's cool when Peter Boyle says the N-word. You could write that if you want to out yourself as a, as a horrible racist in our review section. That's fine. As long as you write something and give us five stars, we could really give less of a fuck. So uh, make sure you do that, <laughs> please, if you haven't done it already. You can only do it once, so make it good, baby. Give us that five-star written review. Now, the other thing you can do, if you are feeling particularly generous, uh, we have a Patreon that you can contribute to. And for just a couple of bucks, that's all it takes, just a few bucks, you get access to a a giant back catalog of uh, Optimism Vaccine podcasts and articles, as well as brand new podcasts podcast or patreon exclusive content including a blumhouse podcast that myros just recorded or is watching material for now or something it's going to be out before the end of the year how about that brand new shit right in your ears and if you contribute more than just a couple bucks let's say you want to give us five dollars then you could be like dustin or you could be like paula and you could get your name read on the air on this very podcast so that you can uh, live in infamy for the rest of your life as someone associated with us in a in a roundabout kind of way.
2: big so, mistake yeah. You can yeah, that. we also <laughs> we also put up. Uh, by the way, the
1: rest of our archived content is
2: up on the Patreon now. So it is. Uh, this is a ton to read there too.
1: Oh, it's all there. It's all there. And uh, if if you got a bunch of push notifications on Patreon because we just posted like twenty five things in one day. Uh, sorry. I guess. <laughs> hey, wait, is this Club in there? Yes, oh, it Wulong is long
3: clubs in there, baby guys. Go listen to wool club. It's so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, death threats, marriage proposals, opinions on the film, Joe, uh, favorite uh, Charles Bronson nude photos. If you want to share any of that with us, optimism at gmail.com is the place to send that. Or you can tweet at us at optimism vaccine and maybe we'll tweet back at you. If you're, if you're lucky, we'll have to see. Colin, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can go to Twitter
3: and go to Dr. Crychop. That's at Dr. You can also go to Instagram.com slash Dr. I will always post whatever the fuck I'm doing on Twitter, whether you like it or not, <laughs> whether it's informative or not. I will at, not shut that the fuck that. What's that Vimeo up. again?
1: What's the Vimeo? I don't-
3: I don't, you know, let's find out right now. I'm going to look it up right now. Real time for you exciting. people. Real
1: time. You this is people, how the magic you know is I mean. made. Sometimes we just show you the sausage, but here you're seeing the whole sausage factory. We're grinding it up. We're making the content, baby. And what is that URL, Colin? V-I-M-E-O
3: dot com slash C-O-L-I-N-T. So everybody either thinks my name is Colin or they add an extra L. Now it is Colin. Colin T everything's like whatever i don't care that's how you spell it you can call yeah, it whatever not like you want. the butt
1: thing it's colin t there we go vimeo.com backslash colin t check it out he's got things on the internet for you not butt stuff though okay despite what uh his name and his router might lead you to believe so <laughs> with that uh, i think that just about wraps things up thank you again colin and uh yeah we'll be back
0: next week Hey, Joe, don't it make you want to go to war once more? Hey, Joe, why the devil did we go to war before? What the hell for? I saw a fellow selling junk to children. He gets nervous every time I pass. Cause he knows that if I catch him I'm gonna bust his head and kick his fat Hey Joe Don't it make you wanna go to war once more (laughs) Hey Joe Why the devil did we go to war Before (laughs) What the hell for Three nights a week I work until seven Gotta make me some overtime When you got a wife and some children How the hell can you save a goddamn dime? <laughs> hey Joe Don't it make you wanna go to war Once more Hey Joe Why the devil did we go to war Before me? What the hell for People demonstrate against my country Looking for an easy buck But if they want my contribution Well, they can go take a flying Hey, Joe Don't it make you